Welcome to this episode of the Middle Market Growth Conversations podcast. I'm Katie Mulligan, Editor-in-Chief of Middle Market Growth Magazine, and I'm here today with Christopher Gavigan, the co-founder and chief purpose officer for The Honest Company. He's also the founder and CEO of a new startup called Prima. Christopher, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. As I mentioned, you are the founder and CEO of a new startup that has gotten a lot of press in the last couple months. So I wanted to see if you could talk about Prima and why you decided to enter the CBD market. Yeah, you bet. Um, It's really a fascinating time for the world of cannabis and hemp in general um, because we're really trying to, um, as a society, we're trying to really balance this onslaught and deep demand that we have in our everyday lives. And stress is building, digital addictions and overload is here, as well as information. And we're all in a constant survival mode and at epidemic levels of stress. Stress is really the largest social toxin that we're all experiencing today. It's really fascinating because I lean into the science. I love the data. I think that any great brand, any great movement, any great um, conversation really is Deeply, deeply, and should always be connected to the science and the world of hemp science and cannabinoid research and this discovery of this endocannabinoid system, which is this body system in the body that helps modulate and manage stress and homeostasis and balance is emerging very quickly. And so the therapeutic potential of hemp and cannabinoids is really, really exciting. Um, and I'm a person who loves to help educate and helps to inspire and helps people better manage their health. And the collision of hemp and science and health and, um, and the world of, of potentiality for managing our better health is here and really needs to be unlocked and presented in a consumer friendly, brand friendly and, um, purpose driven way. And so, I've learned about these uh, uh, cannabinoids and this category for quite some time, and I've known about it for some time. I really believe that there's a massive, massive gap and need, both personally and um, in society, for a brand to really step out as a premier leader in quality and education and in trust. And so I decided um, with two other co-founders to launch a brand new brand called Prima, and Prima um, exists in a digital environment at first, but we'll soon um, have product and um, additional ways to experience the brand and, and really what we're calling this uprising, this health uprising. And it seems like that really builds on a theme of your career. And, and you know, the Honest Company was, you know, obviously focused on wellness and in that way seemed to be ahead of its time when you and Jessica Alba launched it eight years ago. And since then, there's really been a widespread cultural shift where it seems like people are much more focused on wellness and health. They're conscious of the ingredients that they buy. And that's coincided with, you know, big multinational brands either developing or acquiring their own eco-friendly and and clean offerings. So I'm curious, in your view, you know, have those companies been successful at coming into this space and taking market share? Or is this always going to be the domain of independent brands that have you know, committed to these types of products since day one? It's a great question because I think as the science continues to connect specific ingredients or specific toxicants or specific things that are in everyday products to health and health impacts and disease and illness, 
it is incumbent upon the brands and it is a requirement that brands make better, safer choices for the consumers. And unfortunately, the reality exists where um, brands are only doing that because it serves their bottom line. And recently, that you're seeing that trend. And as you said, you're seeing a, a, a large emerging um, movement to the brands that are making better, safer choices for um, the ingredients that they put inside. But back in 2008, when I first met Jessica Alba and my book launch party, was, the book was called Healthy Child, Healthy World, Creating a Cleaner, Greener, Safer Home. The, the, the conversation was emerging and rather small. And over the last 10 to 12 years, I'm so pleased to say that brands, as well as regulators and retailers, are stepping up to the consumer need because um, we are experiencing the impact of these toxicants in everyday products, specifically cleaning products and um, other products that we put in on and around our bodies. And sadly, the consumer needs to be their own watchdog, their own advocate, and um, it's up until um, the shift in the marketplace, um, they needed to be the, the vigilant person policing their homes and their, their grocery basket. But I am so pleased that Honest, number one, is a, it was, was one of the earlier pioneers. I am so pleased to say that brands are copying us, which is a really good thing because that shows um, and demonstrates a massive cultural shift. I'm proud of that leadership of the honest company continues to push forward with our high standards and the level of purity and safety and integrity that we bring to the ingredient conversation, especially to, to for vulnerable populations like pregnant women and new babies and anyone really, but especially those with uh, women and children. And acknowledging that, you know, it's, I, I would totally agree. I think it's a, it's a good thing overall that bigger brands are paying attention to this. But from the point of view of, you know, running a company, how do you compete with organizations that have much bigger marketing budgets or, or wider distribution channels that are entering your space? I believe that the consumer, they, they shop with their values and principles and morals. And they want to know who, and they want to know the authentic intention, and they want to know the, the founding story. And I believe that there is a subset of, of consumers that see these multinational brands shifting and, and being more choiceful in how they position their products for the health and wellness consumer. But I've seen those conventional guys not give the consumer credit. The, the consumer is smarter and more savvy and more emotionally attuned, and they can detect when they're being pitched a, a marketing campaign as opposed to a deeply valued and purpose-driven brand um, ethos, that that shift in the consumer space as well as in the brand space, um, you're going to see in the next few years, you'll see more and more brands trying to um, make those better and safer choices for consumers. But consumers will stick to the brands and align with the brands that are really from day one deeply uh, embedded in their DNA, deeply connected to what is the most responsible and what's the safest and what's the best. And it seems like one area where the Honest Company has been really successful is building those relationships with consumers and establishing trust, which I think those relationships any company would want to have. So, you know, I'm wondering in in the early years of the business, how did you lay the groundwork to 
establish that type of trusting relationship? You know, people trust people. And, you know, my co-founder, Jessica, and I um, really believe that it's our job to tell our stories, to peel back the layers of, of confusion, and just to be incredibly real and open and candid with the conversation and to never hide anything. So, for instance, when we launched in 2012, still just being put into action, but um, in 2012, cleaning chemicals and cleaning products were not mandated or required to have full transparency in those ingredients. We were proud and we were um, very, very open with our ingredient label and put every ingredient that's in that product on that label. And had worked in 2016-17 to get that legislation passed through uh, California um, State, which is essentially going to be pushed nationally, that all cleaning product companies need to put those ingredients on label, on pack, so that every consumer knows that they have a right to know. It's a social justice issue as well as a health issue. So our job to get ahead of the conversation, to leverage um uh, the consumer connection and the consumer conversation and to really be a, a very, very education first company. And Honest has continued to do that. You know, we have, we, our own customer service team in our headquarters. They're rolling multiple thousand touch points a day, email, live chat, phone calls. And that connection, that relationship, that conversation, that human to human, Connectivity is what really has helped us thrive and has really helped us to perpetuate the depth of the knowledge and the depth of the um, understanding that today's consumer has, and they want more of it. And, and if you can give that to them and if you can help hold their hand and be that trusted advocate and partner in that journey, especially in that great moment of awakening um, and equal parts moment of confusion around a new baby, then they will be a lifelong advocate and loyal um, partner of yours for a long time. And that probably gets at a little bit at my next question, but you know, I know that the company has had some well-publicized controversies around several of its products over the years, including some recalls. And I'm sure that that's especially difficult to bounce back from given the products that you sell in the space that you're in. But I wondered, you know, what advice would you give other business leaders who are faced with a reputational challenge of that magnitude? Challenges happen, missteps happen, mistakes happen, and a lot of brands don't own up to them. The Honest Company has always been very, very strong believer that you you ask for, in a, any good relationship, you ask for, for forgiveness, and you demonstrate through consistency and, and through time that you're willing to repair um, any type of uh, rupture that may have occurred. And we've done a really good job at doing that. And we're very, very open and very, very candid on where we've misstepped and how we've managed it thus far. And I would say that that is the key to a reputational challenge. And we've learned this. And, and one of our greatest challenges and one of our missteps, I do have to say, was not in product, but it is, is in the speed and efficiency that we have been uh, responders. A lot of times if you're having a quality issue or some type of internalized um, issue internally, you go into a reactive mode to discover, to to crack open, to put a process in place to um, help manage the situation. But sadly, that's already taking too much time. The consumer needs to know. And, and unfortunately, in today's reality and media and, and PR marketplace, 
whoever says it first usually gets the right to own the conversation, even if it's not true. And we're seeing that across the the news and media landscape today, that if you say it, and if you say it first, then it's real. And sadly, to have, and you're, you're automatically proven or, or, or considered to be guilty as opposed to, oh, let's hear and let's wait and let's get a, a specific response. And so I would say being responsive, being on top of the, um, the, the ball and giving the consumer the benefit of the doubt and taking the time to really help educate them and contextualize for them what has happened and what you're doing about it and what you're go forward plan to prevent and to minimize um, any possible impact. And we've learned and we've modified and we certainly have um, been put into place to be much more humble in that. But across the growth, you know, we're an institution that's only seven plus years old and we're up against folks that have been around for um, well over 100 years. And oftentimes that that young relationship is stressed early and stressed often, but we see that as just one of the many, many, many things that we are um, understanding and learning how to manage and learning to manage with a level of, of humility and humanity that's necessary in any consumer relationship. Sure. And I wish more companies took that approach. I think we'd see a lot less PR fallout if there was that you know, humble response and when as you said, accidents happen and mistakes get made. Yeah. I always want to push the bounds of opening up even more. And and again, I think the word transparency is often used and misused and overused. And it, it really is, you know, what is an authentic relationship? Authentic, authenticity is really being living your truth over time. And in that sense, time equals consistency, equals um, dependability, and, 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 and really is a specific pivot point around expectation. And our commitment to our consumer is that we are there for you, we will continue to be there for you, and we will always be available for feedback, for insights, and, and to modify our behavior. Because if we fail you, we want to do better. And the continuous Speaking of improvement and betterment is something that any brand needs to be founded in. So I want to ask you also about the company's uh, expansion plans. Um, last year, it was reported that L. Catterton would take a $200 million minority stake in the Honest Company to help it expand globally. And knowing that the FDA has mm-hmm. quite different and often more lax standards than the European Union when it comes to consumer product ingredients, it seems like that would position the company well to be able to you know, expand internationally. And so curious if that's the case, and then if there are other ways that you've been preparing to sell into global markets. As um, the first five plus years of um, my work and development in the brand, outside of being one of the founders and executives, was chief product officer. And we built all of our products to meet and exceed European standards, and this is back in 2012. We weren't a European brand, but as you said, the European standards are much higher, specifically with reach and some other international territories. And so we were always benchmarking and connected into what those standards were and how they were evolving so that we could always be um, a leader in that better for you um, and better design and innovations category. 
That being said, is as we think about new markets, global markets, additional expansion, and growing the business, we're really looking at those two categories of beauty and baby as being phenomenal opportunities, yes, domestically, but absolutely internationally. The the savvy today's modern mom and modern uh, family is much more attuned to the um, the opportunity and and kids there are fewer kids being born today even though um, international populations are growing but in, in more of these European and, and sophisticated markets there's fewer children but they're more spent on them and so we get excited about um, yes international markets we get excited about people who will continue to educate themselves about ingredients and what's inside. And we get excited about just continuing on our course to be um, a very focused leader in all things, being an iconic brand. And being an iconic brand means making choices that are are consumer-centric and that are very focused on innovation, as well as um, connecting with new consumers wherever they're needing. And I mentioned the El Catterton stake a minute ago, and since you recently raised over $3 million for Prima, I'm curious how raising money for a startup involving a product like CBD, where there's still a lot of misinformation and regulatory confusion, how does that compare with raising money for a more traditional health and wellness company like Honest? You know, it's not that different. Certainly the stage is different. My intention with Prima was to only be associated with um, institutional and global leaders in, in the investment community. I didn't want to um, be involved in anyone in the traditional cannabis set. When you think about raising money in any um, company, no matter what scale or stage you're in, people really put money behind great ideas, yes, but they put it uh, behind execution. And they, they really focus on product market fit, on the founders and the founders team and the founders experience, and then the opportunity that lies ahead and really being um, a unique and, and dimensionalized brand. And I'm a brand builder. I love really architecting meaningful experiences, but meaningful um, social platforms. And I believe that today, especially today, in a world where institutions are largely mistrusted, that it's a deep, deep duty and responsibility for our brand to be leaders in the social movement and to build upon the opportunity that exists because they have a responsibility as they help culturally define and shape, really contextualize social norms and practices. I, I want to be a, a, a leader and a thought leader and a, and, a, and a vocal platform where people can, can really connect to their bodies, connect to all things that are more mat- natural and holistic, and really understand what it means to be a better human. And when we think about products and brands today, those that help us, yes, not only prevent harm, but help us thrive and flourish, those are the brands and those are the things that I'm going to put my time and attention on. And so raising money for Prima was was quite easy because people, I I do believe people understand that we're in, in, yes, we're in challenging times, but it is up to us including brands and people to really help define 
what it means to be responsible, what it means to be healthy, what it means to be a good human in today's day and age. And that's why I'm so excited about what we're really developing here at Prima. And for my last question, now that you've launched Prima, will your role at the Honest Company change? Yeah, so I'm always and forever will be a strategic stakeholder and ambassador and evangelist for all things honest. I'll always be a founder, I'll always be chief purpose officer, and very much engaged in strategic vision and product and uh, executive connectivity. So that will never change, um, and it hasn't changed. And my role with Prima as founder and chief executive is, is something where, as all as all founders and chief executives do, of very much in grow, growing in the vision and the brand and, and um, the product and the and overall brand platform. So, um, well, I would say there's really no change as much as I love seeing the the overlap and I love seeing the the thematic connectivity between these brands. And I also love uh, I love how separate and unique they are in their own um, mission and vision as well. Well, Christopher, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of Middle Market Growth Conversations. Subscribe to the podcast in Apple, SoundCloud, or Google Play, where you can listen to past episodes and hear the next episode in two weeks. While you're there, we'd love if you could rate the show and leave a review to help other listeners find out about us. After you've rated the podcast, visit our website, middlemarketgrowth.org, to read the latest issue of our magazine and web-exclusive content highlighting middle market companies and M&A.